Hi, friends. Welcome to Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption podcast. I'm your host, Jared Petty. And as always, we're going straight to the wild, wild guest. We're going straight to the wild, wild guest. We're going straight to the wild, wild guest. Yeah! How's it going, Jared? Hello, Wild Wild Guest. Welcome back, Mike Mahardy, my friend. It was, what, a few weeks ago at this point that we hung out after I got to do that long demo. Uh, fortunately enough, Rockstar gave us a chance to play it. Yep. Now me and you have both played a lot of Red Dead Redemption. That's right, because the game is out now. It is live. It is in the hands of everyone. And Which is awesome, it, yeah. Isn't it strange? You know, it, we live in this, this world of extraordinary privilege where you get to play these games early. Totally. And now we get to share that experience with everyone. It's really yeah. cool. And this game is, oh man, I like I said, I, I we've been talking about the past few days now that embargoes are up, and I told you before we started recording, I will I will avoid any and all spoilers, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but there's so much in this game that you know, like, could be such a menial thing for one person, but meant so much to someone else because of the way that these like minor uh, run-ins with this random NPC, like the way that this game builds those up to the to like the level of a main story in other yeah. Rockstar games, is so great and. It's tough to talk about without getting into the weeds with these 12 other things that happen, but I will do my best. Yeah, we're not, you don't have to worry about spoilers here. We're not going to spoil story. We're here to talk about some of the encounters that you might have, some neat organic things that happen to us, and our impressions. So you're not going to get a lot ruined here. Don't don't be afraid of that. Uh, we're not here to ruin Red Dead. Nope. Uh, by the way... Uh, Red Dead Radio, I'm proud to announce, is produced in partnership with U.S. Gamer. So check out all of their excellent coverage of Red Dead Redemption 2. That's right, I'm working with U.S. Gamer now, and it's really, really cool because they make great stuff. You can check out their Red Dead coverage and other things at usgamer.net. And this week, I recommend checking out Mike's excellent Red Dead Redemption review there. And of course, follow them on all social media channels at usgamer.net. Uh, and by the way, Mike, that's a different Mike. Mike that's, Williams. That's Mike. Yep, that's a, there's a lot of mics in this Great world. review, yeah, I yeah, agree. it's a really good review. Yep. I really enjoyed it. So... Also, this episode is sponsored by Classic Movie Musts and Uprising. We'll get to that soon. And our Patreon producers are Tom Bach, Stuart Ferguson, and Jonathan. So let's jump right in, Mike Mahardy. Right off the bat, your impressions of Red Dead 2 overall. I'm not going to, you know, don't give us a, a full review or sure. anything, but what do you think of this game? Uh it is tough to talk about. Uh, it's tough to summarize because it is such a complex game. Uh, I, I absolutely loved how you described it. You know, like when we first started seeing when the game was uh, kind of being previewed, you were saying even more so than in Red Dead Redemption from 2010, the West is a character in this game. Yeah. It is very much, and like playing the game, I think we're about the same time in. I haven't beaten the game, the main story, but I'm right. about 50 hours in as well. Oh man, like the the game is more about the West than it is about Arthur Morgan, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh it, the way that the world reacts to you, uh, we, I, I have, I've been all week. I've been talking about how, like, the the idea of radical recognition that Ken Levine mentioned last year in this uh, Eurogamer 2017 Expo speech, and uh, it, that's all I can think about this week when I'm playing this game uh, because of the way the world recognizes your actions. Mm -hmm. And other games have done it. You know, The Witcher Three has done it. That's an I think that's the easy comparison to make. But Red Dead. Red Dead remembers these minor things that I did that I don't even remember. I'll, yeah. I'll, be, I'll see this guy in town and he'll be like, he'll, I mean, I, here's one of my favorite anecdotes from the game. And this is, this is something that could very easily happen to someone. Maybe it won't. Uh, I accidentally, just because I was being stupid, jumped on the wrong horse when I left the post office. <laughs> I was paying off a bounty because I, someone had seen me punch someone like vandalize or something. Yeah. And it was something minor. And I got on the wrong horse, realized my mistake and got off. But someone nearby noticed and immediately I saw a witness up top right. I was like, oh, shit, someone saw it. So that was cool enough that it was a mistake I made. But, like, to the NPC, you know, it's not a game to him. He was saying, like, 
that guy's trying to steal that horse. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, how, how many times have you swept into an encounter? I, there was a train robbery I stopped. Actually, you know, interceded in the train robbery. But I got there right at the end and people either run off, ran off, or were already killed in the robbery. Yeah. So I take care of the bad guys and everything's good. There's no wanted level. But then I start rummaging around looting the bad guys' corpses. And a dude comes over a hill and he's like, wait a minute. That guy down there is robbing the train. Clearly like, you, what, you did that, yeah. Yeah, and, that's, and the game takes that into account. And I, that's, I, other games have done that kind of weird cause and effect dwarf fortressy type stuff sure yeah but i've not seen it so seamlessly executed in a triple a game before. it's supernatural it's really organic it, it's so it feels so right in this game that at the point i'm at now the point we're at 50 hours in like it's crazy it's desensitizing me i feel like next time i go play another game i'm gonna be like oh now i know what it's like for the game to not notice what i'm doing but it is it feels natural it, it's the norm in this game that guy, after I, 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 I didn't fire a shot into the air like you are able to, but I did stop him and I said, hey, man, you didn't see shit, okay? Yeah. And he's like, he's like, okay, okay. And that was cool enough, but 10 actual real world hours later, yeah. I had completely forgotten about that. I knew the game was special, but I went back to, this was Valentine. This was early on. I went back to Valentine, the, one of the, the first town you run into. Right. And there was this guy, like, begging for money. He was saying, please help the poor. He had a sign. He was near one of those buildings that gets constructed over time. I know the guy you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. He saw me when I rode up my horse. He goes, and he stopped talking. And I was like, that's weird. Like, what's he about? Is he about to offer me a mission? But he's like, don't worry. I didn't tell anybody anything. And right there, I was like, oh, shit. I forgot about that. But the game did not. This NPC did not. And that was... That's really special. Like the Witcher had stuff like that tied into the main quests, and the people and Mass Effect had that with people you decide to uh, protect or people like relationships you let fall, fall by the wayside. But Red Dead does it, like you said, so seamlessly and so frequently, and so it just feels so right within this world. And it's it makes the world a character in itself, and it makes the way that the world reacts to you just like absolutely almost mesmerizing as you're playing. And I feel like that's a design philosophy that extends to the game in other places. Uh, one of the reasons we're not worried about spoiling you is that all these things are going to unfold differently for you. You're not going to encounter things the same way, the same order, the same places that we did. That's become apparent through conversations already. Yeah. That, that the stuff, Indeed, Arthur's journal that, that he's sketching and writing in is dynamic. I, I love that. Did you play Walton? Uh, no, I did not. Okay, so Walden is this really cool. It's, it's it's literally like you are writing the 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 throw book Walden through your actions. Mm-hmm. You will do things in the order you choose to. Okay, and then you will fill in Thoreau's journal with real text from Walden as you go. So you're living out, but you're living it out his way, and that, that's played out kind of the same way with Arthur's diary. Yeah. In this. I really like that. Uh, yeah, that, that that choice of dynamic, but it also very much personalizes your experience and. I've heard people say, you know, well, why, you know, yes, you have the stagecoaches, you have the trains, you have the fast travel options, but I've heard some folks mention, wow, you really have to ride everywhere most of the time. You don't have to, but I think that if you're, if you're me, you want to, because you learn that getting to the destination often mean is half the fun. It, the destination often isn't the destination. You'll start sure. off to do something halfway there, something more important. Oh yeah, will happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, be, and you'll be pulled into a different thing entirely. And I love that the game is constantly surprising you that way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, and like to go back to your point about this world being very much a member of the cast, it's, you know, you get to know Dutch again. You get to know Bill before the Red Dead Redemption 1 days. You are, it's almost as if you are not getting to know a cast member if you're not 
paying attention to the world. And I honestly can't imagine playing through this game without paying attention to the world. I think they just so artfully kind of demand that you pay attention to the world or at least invite you to that I can't imagine anybody would ignore that stuff or would somehow miss out on those little incidental occasions. But man, it's, it's like you said, that, that journey is so, it's just fraught with danger and hilarity and so many random circumstances that kind of coalesce to make, you know, these side quests just like elevated to the point where you're like, oh, that was my most memorable anecdote so far and no one else is going to see that. I'm glad you mentioned humor there yeah. because it is a funny game. And Rockstar Games when in the past when they've been funny, I, I tend to focus on GTA and it's kind of biting parodic humor. Yeah. But a lot of the humor in this game, I find, there is some of that in it, but there's much more of the, the banter humor between frenemies. Yeah, uh, that, absolutely. That's so much a part of life. Yeah, it's it's like, uh, oh, uh, you know, like, you're like, a wolf ate half your brains, but now you're twice as intelligent. Maybe if he ate your entire brain, then you would actually be somewhat smart. Like, right, that's stuff a conversation like that. two characters yeah. have. Yeah, exactly, at one point. yeah. Right, yeah. Or, or to think about altercations, even altercations that could turn violent between people you know have a kind of a humorous edge to them sometimes. Yeah. Other times they're, they're grotesque and... Yeah. And visceral, and and uh, but but there's times the game is it's a really well written game. I think it's Absolutely, the yeah. best written Rockstar game I've played. Definitely, uh, I uh, Grand Theft Auto games are very well written, but I tend to kind of be. I think you're supposed to be repulsed a little bit, mm-hmm. um, or a lot in the cases of some of the scenes from GTA V. But yeah. again, that's all such heavy satire and such cynical writing on purpose. But for me, I just I can't like it. But Red Dead Redemption Two, I'm like when I boot up the game, I'm I'm, it's kind of a warm feeling coming back into mm-hmm. it, despite the fact that the world can be very uninviting. Yeah, it's very, it's a warm feeling, and it's, it's funny. I, it keeps reminding me of Goodfellas. The mm-hmm. you you are part of, you know, Goodfellas is very much about how when you're inside the mafia, it's a family, and also like it's this very insulated community, and everybody's kind of friends and enemies, and you're everything to everyone, and everybody's husband and everybody's wife and everybody's like partners are all kind of interwoven. Yeah. That's what the Vanderlyn gang feels like in this to me. That's a great analogy. And the more I see, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I, I always liked John Marston. I didn't think he was super deep. I think it was, I think there were like a lot of nuances to his character, but in the end he was very much like a very bad person trying to be good. And then, you know, he redeems himself or if you want to look at it like that, mm-hmm. Arthur, I think is, uh, in my opinion, much more nuanced, but this game, so much of it is about the different sides of every character and the different yeah. sides of how you interact with everybody. And and it's also like very much up to you how you interact with certain people. And that's what's what sets this game apart from other Rockstar games. Uh, it's how, to me, it's how you can, you can show people compassion sometimes. Mm-hmm. And that's not a Rockstar thing to do, I would say, for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, and I enjoy doing that because I played my Arthur very honorable. I got mm-hmm. him all the way to the white as often as possible. And I love that the game reflected that. I love that the game noticed. And I love that the game, you know, I could have made money much easier by robbing trains and, you know, holding up general stores and killing random people. But whenever possible, I would try to be a good person. And I didn't make money as easily, but people in town would say hi and I would, you know, feel like I earned it. And mm-hmm. uh, they weren't avoiding me. And it was, it was really, I felt like, the game was it was that radical recognition that Ken Levine mentioned that uh, felt so uh, impactful for sure. I really like the way you put that too. Yeah, I, I, I'm also playing as a white hat and I'm enjoying that as well. And it does they do find more concrete ways to reward you. You're not you know sometimes like you said someone that you helped and forgot about ages ago 
will be sitting on a bench with a friend talking. You'll walk by and they'll be like, you're that guy. You yeah. know, and you'll get moments like that. And I'm not going to, I don't want to spoil sure. any of this. You also mentioned the, the, the kind of frightening or uninviting nature of, of the world. How the, how they, the, the West transforms from a killer to a, to a warm nurturer, nurturer from a place of beauty to a place of darkness quite a bit. And I really do appreciate that maybe more than anything else about the game. Um, I have never been so invested in my environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, you know, in a very strange way, there's there's a little bit of the spirit of SimCity in this where I feel a sense of, of investment, but unlike yeah. a SimCity, I don't own it. It owns me. Absolutely. I'm living in its world, yeah. not the other way around. It's funny. You look at other games that came out this year, especially like open world games, like apples and oranges, but you look at Spider-Man. That is an open world game you master. You master the mechanics. You get every collectible. You are the superhero, the king of New York. Red Dead Redemption 2, at least 50 hours in, I am still at the hands of the world and at the hands of the West. And whether it's I'm up in the Grizzly Mountains or I'm in the Heartlands or I'm, you know, like anywhere like in the swamp, I'm, I am very much at the mercy of what is happening in this game. And it feels like this game is, you know, like every once in a while you do see Rockstar pulling strings and like you start mm-hmm. to talk to people and oftentimes you'll say, oh, that story, that NPC interaction did happen with me as well. And that's inevitable, but also you'll inevitably hear someone say, yeah, this this happened to me randomly in the world. Uh, you know, I helped so-and-so and he, I ended up, you know, it, he followed up and like six hours later and you're like, that's, that's absolutely amazing. And I, and I felt like the world was very much testing how I wanted to play Arthur. And I love that because it wasn't, a, it's not necessarily good and bad Arthur. It's honorable or dishonorable. And there is yeah. a very, uh, there's a very important difference because you are going to do bad things no matter what. Yeah. As a member of the Vanderlyn gang, you're going to, you know, if you want to, if you're going to be collecting debts for the gang's loan shark, you're going to be beating up people that you, I didn't personally want to beat up. And even Arthur kind of reflected on it afterward and said, yeah. uh, I feel gross about that. You are going to do bad things. But if you do things in a dishonorable way, if you kill an innocent person, uh, a disarmed person, and you loot them, uh, if you kill someone that's working for the law that, you know, was just trying to uphold the peace, uh, so to speak, then it's going to look down on you. Uh, the, or the game's going to say, oh, you're dishonorable. That's fine, but we are going to change up how the world works. It's Arthur the hard man versus Arthur the psychopath. I mean, those right. are kind yeah, of your, your options sure. there. And, and also that has to lead into that question uh, of a redemptive arc yeah, uh, and, and, and whether or not that's going to unfold, which this is a person living with the consequences of some very bad decisions that's just really becoming aware sure. of where this is all going. That's apparent from the first frame of the game. Yeah. It's the theme of this game is we are paying for our sins. And yeah. what will we be if we can be anything in the world we've made? I'm glad you mentioned consequence because... You know, when the game was first being shown off and for for like maybe 15 years now, player choice has been one of those buzz phrases. Everybody says like, I I love player choice in games. I get that. I totally get that you like having agency. But I don't think choice means anything when you don't see the consequences. And I think more than any game, more than almost every game I've played, Red Dead Redemption 2 nails consequence. And I think that is much more powerful than player choice. Hmm. Player choice is great, but... So many developers from one-person teams up to AAA powerhouses have figured out how to make player choice an integral part, an integral pillar of their game. Not many people have figured out how to make consequence. And 
it's a result of you know eight different studios, thousands of people working on it, very very uh, hardworking, like very intelligent people figuring out how to make consequences part of it. And you see the fallout of your decisions, mm-hmm. and it's it's sometimes minor. Sometimes, like if you're just staring at the town drunk too long, he will get mad and he'll start punching you. Yeah, and you beat him up and you win the fight somehow by like by a hair, and you get his you know Davy Crockett hat. But other times it'll be something huge that you know, like again, like The Witcher Three has done similar stuff like that, and other games have done it. But Red Dead just seems to be paying attention, and more so than any other game I've played. I'm not just curious about the game. The game feels curious about me, and that is a very almost eerie feeling. There are times in the game where I felt like like eyes in the back of my head, yes. and yeah. that's the only way I can describe it, right? Like even when something menial is happening, I'm like, I feel like I'm on a stage, but I don't. I'm, it's like the Truman Show or something. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that what's going on. That is a perfect analogy. Yeah, it's it is watching you. Sure. Yeah. You feel that, and they they make that more ambient with the way they use music and the way they use mood and the way they use space. But it does seem to anticipate. There's so much th- the amount of thought that went into this game is reflected in how little you notice it until you're invested in it. It's how those boundaries just kind of came down, and you don't notice things till they've already happened to you. And you're like, wait a minute, what was that? And it's it's very good. Very few games surprise me. Red Dead continually does. Yeah. How are you spending your time? What are you up to? Oh, man. So it's funny because I think that's actually a... I am... Again, Rockstar Games, you know, GTA 5, GTA 4, you can play darts. You can... In Red Dead Redemption, you can do five-finger fillet. You can play dominoes. You can play poker. This is the first time I've actually... Like, I, I love that those were included in the old Rockstar Games. I love that those are things you can do in many open-world games. Because of what we were just talking about, because of the way that Red Dead 2 builds expectations, and because of the way it proves to you that it is paying attention, it makes these side things feel so much more meaningful. Mm-hmm. Just playing poker, I'm not just like I'm not just like bluffing to get the game over with. I feel like those NPCs are reading me, or poorly or not. I feel like when I'm playing uh, dominoes, like uh, Sadie, like I feel yeah. like she is really thinking about how to beat me and. It feels like it sounds hyperbolic, but it's it, the game builds those expectations so well that those small tasks, those menial side, what would otherwise in most games be chores or just like fun activities, take on a lot more weight. I agree. If I'm playing a game of cards or a game of dominoes outside of camp, and then I come back with the people I know when I play, it feels different. Yeah, it's weird. And some of that's that I spent time with these folks. I've gone out and done things with them. I've learned their secrets. I've helped them. They've helped me. I don't like some of them. Or Absolutely. I sort of like some of them. Or I... And that's... That part of my brain gets kind of triggered that says, this is just a little... I know I'm playing a game. It's it, I'm not trying to give you the idea that this is like otherworldly. It's just different. I, I was I was saying to the uh, some of my, my friends today, I had a discussion uh, at... Uh, on the uh, Kind of Funny Games cast mm-hmm. about this. So I was talking with folks that have played. And I'm wondering if there's a part of us that's going to one day look at this game kind of like Wind Waker. Where as it was happening, we didn't really... A lot of people didn't quite get just how good it really was. Okay, yeah. And then a generation later, you know, 10 years later, we look back and go, wow, that was important. Sure, okay. Wow, yeah. we did just not get how lucky we were. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's what's happening with us. I would not be surprised. I... 
I, I hate to bring like up. So obviously we all know like there's this willing suspension of disbelief with games, with books, with movies, with yes. TV, with any media. And for most games, I think you have to work harder at suspending that disbelief than most other media. Games are still young and games yeah. like are so complex and there's so many people involved that make them and there's so many cracks that you can see. I think we've gotten used to ignoring them or we just kind of accept them and then let our imagination fill in the gaps. Red Dead Redemption 2, I think more than most games, if not any other game I've played, asks less of me in that regard. It will just say like, yeah, you're playing a game and every once in a while you're going to be reminded, we apologize for that, but we're going to do our best to kind of like obscure that. Yeah. And not just obscure that, we're going to do our best to make you feel like, you know, it's not this like, it's not this VR like larger than life simulation, but it's still, like you said, it, it, you're playing a game, but... I forgot that I was playing a game more than I thought I would. Uh, it's pretty, it is, it's hard, like you said, otherworldly, but like it is, it's It's pretty mesmerizing to see all of these things interacting in the way that it actually kind of, it feels like it is uh, very much involved in what you're doing and how you're existing within its boundaries. And boundaries is such a weird word with this game because yeah. I don't, I, I don't, I haven't hit a boundary yet. I, I don't think about boundaries. I don't think about it. I don't think about, oh, I probably can't do that in this game. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised if I can't do yeah, something. Yeah, when you come to something and it doesn't work, you're like, really? Yeah. Uh, okay, so you've gotten so spoiled and so used to things just you know, like they thought of. It's like NetHack, the old they thought of everything, with yeah. the dev team thing. Uh, we're going to take a second here and give a word to our sponsors because kind people have decided to support this show. They wrote to mail at reddeadradio.com and said, hey, we'd like to sponsor you. Just like Classic Movie Musts. That's one of our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Classic Movie Musts, a weekly podcast that provides artistic insight and historical context to your favorite classic movies. You a fan of Westerns, Mike? I absolutely am. Excellent. Red Dead Radio listeners should check out episodes of the seminal dramatic Western Stagecoach. I like the stagecoach. John Wayne, babyface. Yep. There. Kind of the classic John Ford Western movie. Definitely. I like it there. Or perhaps the noir Western, The Oxbow Incident, and an upcoming episode of Classic Movie Musts on The Wild Bunch. What do you think awesome. of The Wild Bunch? Never seen it. Ooh, a little peck and paw going on there. It's on my list. Uh, playing Red Dead uh, Redemption 2. Again, no spoilage here because I don't know, but I feel like there's some Wild Bunch on the way. Okay. That'd be a good one to play with this game. Cool. So that's about a gang at the end of the American West. Uh, heavily influential in this game, in my opinion. Gotcha. Classic Movie Musts also has episodes on film classics ranging from Lawrence of Arabia to Jaws to Blade Runner to The Big Lebowski. New episodes release every Friday on all podcast services, including Spotify and audio-only YouTube uploads. You can also visit their website, Classic Movie Musts, that's musts with an S at the end, dot com, and follow on Twitter at Movie Musts, again with an S, pod, P-O-D, Movie Musts pod. Remember... Even with the release of Red Dead Redemption 2, take some time to keep up with the classics. This episode also brought to you by Uprising. You a reader? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Read you a get, lot. You speak like a reader. Oh, uh, thank you. Get you. The, you get that. I think get, that's a compliment. Oh, it absolutely I hope is. I don't sound like, uh, it's like pompous. You talk, no, no. You talk like one of the good, unannoying West Wing characters. That's that's like exactly what I'm going for. Okay, that, well, you nail it. Totally. Thank you so yeah, much. Excellent. Got a little Sam Seaborn going on over there. Oh, man. All right. Uprising. Welcome to what's left of America. Now a country of barbed wire, crumbling buildings, and orders shouted down from block-wide sirens. The atomic decimation of the world by the German Empire now sees tyranny and true power. But look closer. Look at the people in the prison camps, tearing down a fence for their escape. Look to the underground facility training the last resistance left standing. Look at how every day the sun rises on a glimmer of undying spirit 
and sets on an evil empire. Follow the journey of a young man struggling to survive and rebel against the world around him through tragedy, redemption, and sacrifice. We must all decide exactly what's worth fighting for. When all that we love is torn from us by monsters, do we become monsters ourselves just to survive? Uprising is a novel by Kyle Boren and is now available for just $8. Just search Uprising by Kyle D. Boren. That's B-O-R-E-N. Uprising by Kyle D. Boren on Amazon. Eight bucks for that novel. Not bad. There we go. Excellent. What'd you name your horse? I named, so I have two cats. Okay. My girlfriend and I have two cats. One is Kong. One is Desi. I named both my horses Kong and Desi. I only have two right now. I'm very attached to both of them. Yeah. Uh, Kong, especially, he is uh, earlier in the game, and this is like one of the first missions. You you have the choice to buy uh, one of three horses. Yeah. Most people won't have enough money to get anything other than the very small horse. Right. Uh, I was included in that group. I don't know if you were, but I was not. I had saved oh, my pennies. Man. Okay. Well, I, That's I only where I had... purchased Zach Ryan, my horse. <laughs> you named it Zach Ryan. I like yeah. that. I'm, Zach's a great person to name a horse after. Yeah. I, I named my horse, uh, my first horse, Desi, after my black and white cat, and then my second horse, uh, Kong. And you still ride Desi, even though Desi's not the most maxed out of horses. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. There's a lot of that in this game, playing the just favorites, getting attached. Have you lost a horse yet? I have not. Yeah, neither have I. And I've, I've come darn close once, and I just about killed me. Um, Before we were talking about how the game builds those expectations, uh, I went back up into the Grizzlies. The first time I went back up into the mountains since, you know, the beginning of the game, which is very much like a hateful eight, blizzard, uh, you know, like you're snowed in. It's the, it's, it's, it, tutorial is very reductive, but it's, it's the beginning of the game that the, at the, you know, the exposition is building and you are snowed in and you're, you know, meeting different members of the gang. But the first time I willingly went back up into the mountains, I came across, uh, it was for this like one minor side quest, and I, I came across this frozen pond. And the direct route to my objective was across the pond. I honestly do not know. I can't say whether the pond would have cracked and I would have fell through with my mm. horse. But I loved my horse so much, and I knew this game, if any game, <laughs> that pond would crack. Yeah. So I cannot, I don't know. I'm curious. I don't even want to go experiment with it because I care that much about my horse. And I'm also that paranoid about this game. Oh, there's that kind of moments. Cause the first time I was in a firefight and took standard video game cover, and the wagon just exploded next to my head where a shotgun blast hit it, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay, this is not a solid object that is invulnerable to all day, and I'm going to die here horribly." <laughs> there's a lot of that. I mean, yes, you run into things where you're like, "Oh, I can test this boundary, of course," but there is it's it's kind of incredible how much they they manage to pull off and surprise you with that yeah just how things move on their own or you know you're you're in the middle of a chase sequence and suddenly a giant wagon full of lumber breaks in front of you and you're playing donkey kong on your horse while people are shooting at you well and that's just the thing that can happen anyway yeah it's uh, one other minor thing it's not it's it should not even be an anecdote it should not even be a story but uh Shameless plug, I have a video going up on GameSpot on tomorrow, Friday, as of this, or today, I guess, as of this publishing. Yeah. It's, a, it's specifically about, it's a deep dive into the open world design, how the world reacts to you. And one of my favorite anecdotes, I'm telling people that in no way is a spoiler because it's nothing. I came across this abandoned wagon on the road in the middle of Cumberland Woods, or yeah. the forest, just this, oops, sorry, this, just okay. this random area. I came across this wagon. The horse was there. The cloth was over the back of the wagon. But I came across the wagon, and this might have been like 25 hours in. And I started to look around and I started to, you know, I was, I was very wary. I was like, is this an ambush? Mm -hmm. uh, what happened to the rider? What happened to the driver? Is there someone hiding in the wagon? Is there something important there? There was nothing. I went on my way and nothing happened. But 
that was one of the most memorable points of the game because, again, I felt like someone was watching me. I felt like Ed Harris was in the sky or something. I felt like something was going to happen. And almost like, in a way, nothing happening was more impactful. No spoilers here. Yeah. But I have discovered in the most over way possible that that feeling is not misplaced. Okay. And I will say no more. Okay. Gotcha. Um, there are there are moments that you get this eerie feeling and some of it is atmospheric and some of it is a ridiculously neatly designed video game and that's all I'm yeah. going to say. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that off mic. Awesome. Because uh, I don't want to spoil anything for gotcha, anybody. Gotcha, thank you. What's uh, which favorite weapon? Um, I don't know. I like the double barrel shotgun. It has more range than I thought it was. And the first one I got was through a story mission. It was hanging on a mantle. Or it wasn't a story mission, I don't think. It was like a side mission. But it's hanging on a mantle. And I absolutely love that in Arthur's journal, at the end of, like, it was like a postscript. He said, either way, I got a nice shotgun out of it. And it was yeah. such an Arthur thing to say. And it was also like, shit, the game noticed that. Like, mm-hmm. Arthur noticed that. Um, yeah, I'm using the double barrel shotgun. I inscribed it. Um... I named it uh, Salvation. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. It just seemed like a Western thing. I haven't named a firearm. Uh, I didn't realize you could do that. Yeah, so you can do the engravings, and then it brings up... So I'm playing on PS4 (sighs) Pro, and it brings up the the PS4 text menu. And I've been just, like, naming your horses. So I haven't seen whether, like, there's any insignia on the weapon or anything, but, like, when I'm going through it, it'll say in the menus and everything, like, oh, Salvation is, you know... That's really cool. I See, I, I... My philosophy toward weapons in video games i always customize the heck out of everything non-cosmetic and i never customize the cosmetics and that's not because i don't like that i have a thing for stock weapons it's oh weird. yeah it's okay it's just a psychological thing and this game encourages me to play the way i want yeah so i go with that and and uh so i had no idea they can and now i want to engrave a weapon just so i can name it oh yeah it's awesome got a little mail here uh this from brody hey jp and crew i've been listening to the show like it's music Bravo. Awesome. Speaking of music, don't forget that theme to uh, Red Dead Radio, the Red Dead Redemption podcast. That's by our friend Brian, Brian Oltano. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, he, he wrote that theme. That guy makes some other great music. So you ought to go check it out at Weird Heat. He and his friend Max Scoville do that. Just a shout out and a plug there to Brian. Weird Heat to be a really cool show. You ever watch that? I listened to the first several and I have not gone back to it. I really enjoyed it though. Go back. They're good. They're making good stuff over there. Cool. I just wonder what your take would be if Rockstar implemented a homestead system to their online mode. Much like the start of GTA Online, the player gets a horse or car and a homestead, apartment. From the player's homestead, he could play ranching and farm get, uh, quests that can include but not be limited to mule or bule, uh, bull breeding for that perfect stud and bull and mule sales, etc. Planting a few crops, campaign and online changes could unlock buyable items to the player for their homestead, like a card table if you win so many games of poker or blackjack, romance an NPC, hire a loyal worker to tend to your duties on the farm or out in the world, have a Harvest Moon and Stardew system in Red Dem that'd be a dream come true in a great way to have a bottomless pit of opportunities with the players online what features would you like to see added to a homestead system let's build some excitement cheers thank you very much for the content you provide i love it and keep up the good work can't wait to hear more uh there we go and by the way if you ever want to ride on red dead or explore appalachia my gamer tag and xbl is proposterum p-r-o-p-o-s-t-e-r-u-m 
So that was from JP, if I remember? Uh, that was, was that to there? JP. Uh, I think I'm JP. You're Jared Petty. Okay, that I makes am. way more sense. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, so the more I listened to that reader email, the more I was like, okay. So at first I was like, yeah, GTA 5, it worked really well. Like eventually getting a yacht with enough money. I'm sure Rockstar could pull it off. Even in like Fallout 4 and uh, I'm sure Fallout 76, I would. I loved having a homestead and like having a place to store all my stuff. But the more I thought about it, the more with Red Dead, I'm like, if any game ever made that appealing, it's probably Red Dead 2 because... You know, if you can farm and you can plant crops, like survival and like building your cores, your health core and everything and having adequate provisions and upgrading your satchel so you can, you know, like carry more provisions is such a central pillar of this game. Maybe not pillar, but it's, it's a it's a big part of this game. If I could grow crops and like aside from the Vanderlyn camp, have a place to go back to if it's multiplayer, if I could have a place to go back to, that'd be awesome. I'd love that. I like that. Let's build on top of it. Let's have that for me. Everything you just described. But also, you and I are in a gang together, along with our friends. And in addition to all that stuff we can build for ourselves, we also have gang resources for our camp. Mm -hmm. And we build up around that. And we effectively create... I mean, good online games that have community elements. I prefer the cooperative stuff. Sure, me too. And I think this would be a really good game to lean into that cooperative nature. So, yes, I'm building all my own stuff over here. But I'm also building all this stuff for us yeah and we're we're taking that camp maintenance thing from red dead and expounding on that many iterations to the point that we're effectively building our own version of of an inland empire that'd be that'd be awesome because in single player you have you know the the murphrys the o'driscolls the vanderlins uh the rest of the gangs the names escape me but in multiplayer if you had you know the jps the tunnel snakes the game spotters like the fact that if you actually had this like gang war and gang system and you were actually building them up in a game that very much encouraged you to, you know, maybe like hoard resources or to kind of take over more land. And then like when you cross over this boundary, you're wanted here or this gang knows you're here. That's oh man, it's a dream thinking of like, I can't wait to see what they do oh. because the single player has built such to say solid foundation is such an understatement, but it has built such a phenomenal foundation to build on. I'd be shocked if what we're describing isn't just a just a part of what's coming. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Plus, I, I Halloween 2019, 2020, Undead Nightmare Online, I yeah. think it's just got to happen. I was talking about just that yesterday with some coworkers. Uh, like, back before Undead Nightmare came out, like, if someone told me, you know, a, a zombie-themed Red Dead, a major Red Dead expansion would come out, I was like, that sounds stupid. Then I played it. It was awesome, and uh, I wonder what they're going to do with Red Dead. But that's getting, I'm getting ahead of myself when I haven't even beaten Red Dead 2 yet, and... Uh, I'm very much enjoying doing that. Did you ever play Deadlands, the the tabletop role-playing game? I did not. Deadlands is just Red Dead with vampires, ghosts, werewolves, zombies, and magic. What makes it like Red Dead? Uh, it is it is set in 1876 gotcha. America. Okay. Uh, gamblers use poker hands to cast magic spells. Oh, that's uh, awesome. It, it's amazing. I love it's that. It's a great game. Cool. And, and Undead Nightmare ties into that same kind of mythos, and I just, I think it... I think it's a natural Ghost Riders in the Sky meeting that almost has to happen. Sure. Rockstar has a sense of the macabre. Have you found any of the weird stuff yet? Yep. Uh, I've come across a few environmental storytelling things with uh, yeah. this cult or religious sect. Uh, there's one I really want to talk about, but I want people to experience themselves. I think they'll run into it eventually within their first yeah. 30 hours or so. But yes. Yeah, excellent. Friends, uh, that's actually all the time we've got time for. I have barely slept in a couple of days, so I think I'm going to go edit this episode, put it up, and go to bed. Uh, I'm excited about Red Dead. I hope that you're enjoying this launch day as much as we are. Mike, you make wonderful things. What do you have to next? 
Yeah, that, that Red Dead video will be up today on GameSpot, our YouTube channel. It's mainly a deep dive into the open world design of Red Dead. I'm also, I've been playing in the spare hours I have outside of Red Dead, I've been playing Diablo 3 on Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing the GameSpot review for that. Uh, our editorial team has been super swamped and they've been kicking ass, so I'm going to try to help them out with my first official scored review in cool. a while. So I'll be doing Diablo 3 Switch. I can pretty much say now it's more Diablo 3 on a handheld platform. It's... Uh, Everything you can imagine. It's, Are it's you a fun. Diablo guy or a Torchlight guy? Oh, man. I So I'm traditionally a Diablo guy, but I very much appreciate Torchlight. Okay. Uh, Torchlight 2, I absolutely love. And also, I've been covering uh, Torchlight Frontiers under Ektra. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah sure. I'm really excited about Frontiers. We were actually, I mentioned to Ektra when I visited, uh, they told me to tell you say hi. I don't think I told you until right now. Oh, no remember, kidding. That's awesome. Yeah, Tyler yeah, really and the people there. Frontier, yeah. So yep. I, and also about Diablo kind of to switch. Yeah. Um, I like to pick on Diablo for some stu- Everyone knows it's nothing but an excellent game. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's an easy target to pick on. Game. Sure. It's a superb video game. Yep. But so is Torchlight. Uh, and also, folks, uh, really, uh, this partnership with you as Gamer, uh, I chose to partner with them because they make great stuff. And I, I'm really proud to be associated with them. Go to usgamer.net. Uh, some of the best writing in the business. And there's all kinds of good Red Dead coverage over there. And they also have a lot of, of really thoughtful, insightful coverage of the game sphere in general. Wonderful writers over there like Kat Bailey, Nadia Oxford, a lot of other good folks. Please check them out. And uh, until next time, happy trails. Happy trails.